Little girls often dream of being rescued, from the knight in shining armor to the swashbuckling buccaneer who swoops in on a rope, scoops her up, and takes her away. She wants to know that there's someone somewhere who's willing to fight for her and defend her. Now, that defender may start off as mom or dad, but it's a concept that may very well follow her into adulthood, if she's being honest. But in a world that's lying to us and to our daughters about femininity and what it means to be a real woman, or even what it means to be female for that matter, how can we help our girls better understand the truth about the natural and God-given attributes of who and what they are? And why is it so important to have not just parents, but other positive influences around our daughters, authoritative influences who will not just accept them, but be willing to help rescue them when they aren't able to accept or rescue themselves? Being equipped and ready to fight for our daughters, today on Licensed to Parent. Hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent. This is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis, both young men and young women. Each week, we try to help you be intentional in your parenting so that you can avoid the need for a residential program for your kids. And that's why we're here today. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. Uh, Now, Trace, uh, you and I both have daughters, and I think we both have a handle on what femininity and womanhood ought to look like, generally speaking, anyway. But when I said that girls want to be rescued, they really do want their moms and dads and their future husbands and families to be willing to fight for them, uh, both for their honor and their well-being, but uh, I'd say even beyond that, for femininity in general. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you agree? Yeah, of course. Uh, and when our girls grow up and become wives and mothers of their own, they'll, they'll want their husbands and kids to fight for their honor and well-being, just like they want us as parents to fight for theirs right now. Uh, that's just how most females are wired. Uh, I mean, you've heard the saying a million times, don't you be talking about my mama, right? Uh, but you know, you've also heard the multitude of jokes that dads are capable of, too, you know, killing guys for, who dishonor their daughters, you know, and things like that. Generally, Sitting there polishing the gun while they <laughs> yeah, come up right. for the date, right? Uh, generally speaking, though, God has simply wired us uh, this way because, you know, girls are special. We all have value, but, but that value is largely unique to each gender. Uh, men are usually more the aggressor, provider, and protector types. Now, you know, women can be all these things, too. But, you know, I stand by my argument that, generally speaking, men are much better wired uh, and, and built for it. Women are usually the more compassionate, nurturing, and agreeable gender. They can birth children, for crying out loud. And, and by the way, there is no real distinction between sex and gender. That's a terribly misguided human construct that has done more damage to confused kids in, in today's society than, than I can talk about right now. Now, there is a continuum of, of personality traits where some boys show more feminine traits than others and vice versa with girls. But they're still boys and they're still girls. And that doesn't mean there's a, a point where one end of this gender continuum uh, should be allowed to betray what chromosomes and anatomy clearly identifies as sex and or gender. Again, virtually the same thing, despite, you know, what educated fools are trying to pawn off in today's overly misinformed and undereducated society. You know, my wife was a tomboy. Uh, her, her records in, in, uh, in high school track still stand to this day. But she's still the epitome of femininity <laughs> at the same time. Uh, she's agreeable, compassionate, and nurturing, almost to a fault, the consummate mother, but uh, her priorities are in league with a biblical worldview. Her kids are not the most important thing in her life, and neither am I. 
I tell people all the time, I'm glad my wife has another man in her life. His name is Jesus. But, uh, you know, you don't dare mess with her kids, I can tell you that. And, and though she would die to defend, protect, and rescue her kids, she still wants a man to rescue her. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying that circumstances can't dictate when a man actually needs or wants to be rescued. Just ask any guy who's ever been lost at sea or pinned down in a foxhole on a battlefield. But if the average guy fantasizes about a rescue scenario, he's usually the guy doing the rescuing, whereas the woman is usually the other way around. So when it comes to our kids, even though moms are more nurturing, compassionate, and agreeable by nature, our daughters still want their moms to fight for them just like their dads would fight for them. And when moms and dads are on the same team fighting the same fight to rescue their daughters from all that's evil, wrong, and destructive, there's a healthy bond being built uh, in that particular parent-child relationship. So today we're going to be talking uh, to a mom who, on the surface anyway, doesn't really fit the stereotypical mom role, but nonetheless, she has uh, some pretty good advice about uh, how parents, particularly moms, can help their kids, particularly their daughters, uh, feel like their backs are covered. It's a, it's a security thing. And uh, she's written a book uh, about it called Fight for Her. And the she in question is songwriter, performer, artist, and author Plum. Uh, this is her second book, by the way, the full title of which is Fight for Her Even If You Have to Fight Her. It's a moving challenge to women of all ages to fight for each other, even if that means fighting with each other, hopefully with love, with hope, and with a lot of grace. Uh, the book explores fundamental questions and issues that she says every girl and woman faces with both depth and a bit of levity. And Trace, we're delighted to welcome Plum to the program. This, by the way has not been easy because she is on the We Are One tour right now Uh-oh. as we record this. And last time we tried to get her, her bus was stuck in traffic, I think, um, aggravated by the, the eastern yeah. storms. Yeah. So finally, we, we have go. got her with us. Plum, thanks so much for joining us on Licensed to Parent. Yes, ma'am. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Plum, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't think of even a Christian contemporary music artist as uh, necessarily being the go-to person for parenting advice, uh, much less being the author of a book on, on being a mom. But uh, I think you've written a very good book here. Uh, so what's the first thing you'd say to our audience that might keep them uh, listening to you and me right now? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my daughter, when she was about two or three, she was having a toddler moment, not wanting to put her shoes on, not wanting to get in the car seat kind of throwing a fit and um, I scooped up the shoes and I took her by the hand and I marched her to the car and I buckled her in her car seat and I popped the shoes on her feet and I said, you know what? I'll fight for you even if I have to fight you. Hmm. And of course she didn't really understand that at two or three, right. but that phrase came out of my mouth and the second it came out of my mouth, I realized that's a book one day, number one. Yeah. But number two, it was a phrase that I began to use in my parenting all the time, not just with her, but with my boys as well. Mm -hmm. And as I sat down to write the book, I was going to write it from my perspective as a daughter, now having one, and it was going to be a mother-daughter book. And as I got in there, just conviction washed all over me of, you know what? This is a book for all daughters, which is every woman, Mm -hmm. because regardless of what kind of parent they had or didn't have, regardless of what kind of relationships they have currently or don't, no matter what their story, no matter what they've done or or what's been done to them, they are his daughter. And I'm going to write from that perspective and use my daughter as kind of the the sounding board 
and the, you know, the, you know, kind of for my research, like mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm, I'm trying these things with my own daughter and these are things my mom tried with me. And so certainly if, if there's a mother out there listening, you know, it, it's absolutely inspired by those relationships. And so if you have a daughter, um, by all means, this is going to connect with you probably even more, but it's, it's not written exclusively for that girl, like whether you ever have a daughter or not, or mm-hmm. a daughter-in-law or not, or a niece. Every woman in your life, including you, are a daughter, and you need to know that you've been fought for. Yeah. You will continue to be fought for, even if you have to be fought with. Well, I like uh, hearing the word fight, actually, uh, in this context from a mom. You know, As with many other working moms, I want to shift gears here just a little bit, uh, time away from, from home is always an issue uh, for any parent, really. Uh, how do you think having the, the moniker Christian in front of music artists lends more credibility to what uh, you, you, know, you have to say about motherhood than if you were the lead singer for some, you know, mildly raucous, secular rock band? Well, I, I'll say that I signed back in 1996 my first record deal, and I signed a simultaneous duplicit contract, and I've never really looked back from that. I was a Christian. They were a Christian label, but they were partnered with a general market Mm-hmm. Uh, record company that released my music, both Christian and what's considered you would call mainstream. And so I've had a lot of experience in film, uh, my songs being in movies, TV shows, commercials, mm-hmm. the uh, you know EDM, electronic dance um, music. That that genre has remixed my songs and used them all over the world. More specifically, overseas, where they've had this huge impact to an audience that has absolutely no clue that I'm a Christian, and I've written with and for artists that aren't even, you know, believers themselves and sure. released pop songs. And so I've had experience um, outside of the quote-unquote Christian market that, um, and, I, and I've, I've spent a good bit of time trying to, to just be a musician who is a Christian. And, then I, and I, you know, finally came to a place where I understood that, okay, there is a difference between our market and others more specifically because Christian music is labeled by its message, not by its style. Mm-hmm. And so you can have, sure. you can listen to Christian radio and hear, you know, 10 different styles of music and it's all considered Christian because of its message. And so I, I have a style, but at the core of who I am, my message stems from what my identity is found in, which is my faith. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit wrestling and I'm going to quit fighting with this whole you know, I'm just a musician who is a Christian and accept that, you know, it, it is most understood and probably most productive for me to just be a part of that. And so I think back to what I just said a second ago, my faith is, is where my identity is found. Sure. When you put, you know, Christian in front of that, okay, well, I have Christian faith. That's where my faith is found. Mm-hmm. It's my identity is in that. And so Christ informs how I parent. He, he informs how I write music. He informs how I dress. He informs how I treat the cashier at Walmart. He informs how I treat my band. He informs how I am in my marriage. He informs every area of my life. And that doesn't mean that every single conversation, you know, is a sermon. Certainly, you know, I love love the quote by St. Francis of Assisi of of preach sermons every day of your life. But if you you need to, use words. But how we live says way more about us than what we say. And so, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's important for me when I have that title in front of my name, um, in any capacity, whether it's through music or authorship or speaking or 
or whatever songwriting, um, that I'm faithful to the message of that. And the message of Jesus was to love as you would want to be loved, to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And so I have a tremendous amount of grace that's been given to me that I'm now able to extend out beyond just someone who believes the way that I do or agrees with me on, you know, certain things about parenting or marriage or mm-hmm. my faith. I've, I've now been able to understand more vastly that we're all on this journey. And because of grace and because of mercy, it's a living, salvation is a living, breathing thing. And so it's, that transcends into how I am with my children mm-hmm. of when they're making mistakes and when they're doing things that they know are wrong or they're being disobedient or disrespectful or whatever. I, I, I have to correct that. I have to fight for them to not be that way. And, and that involves fighting with them at those moments, obviously, but the core of where I'm at, my agenda is for them to be loved well and to be valued for who they are and how sure. God sees them. And I, I talk in the book about, um, I, I, I don't know when exactly this happened, but my children, I had all three of them. And so they're really close in age. And so my oldest would have had to be three because he was three when his sister was born. Um, and so he was somewhere between three and four that I had a chalkboard in my kitchen. And I wrote the five D's on, on this chalkboard. And it said, danger, destruction, disobedience, disrespect, and dishonesty. And the reason I had him up there was because my son had come to me and was tattling about his sibling taking a crayon. And I said, did you use your words and ask him to get that back to you? Um, and he kind of, you know, like thinks about it for a second. He turns around, he walks back into the playroom, and you hear him say, you know, my oldest is Solomon and my middle is Oliver. Um, you hear him say, you know, Oliver, you have to give me my crayon back. Well, I hear Oliver say no. And so here comes Solomon again, and he comes back and he says, Mama, he's still not giving me my crayon. And so I went in there and I became the advocate. And I said, Oliver, did you take his crayon? And he's, you know, sheepishly like, uh, yeah. And I said, you know, you have to give it back. It, it was his and you took it and you didn't ask, so, so give it back. He used his words. You didn't respect those, so give them back. And so he gives the crayon back. And then Oliver thinks that that's just where it's going to end. And then I took Oliver's paper away and I set it up on the shelf and I said, let's go do something else. You've lost your privilege. Good for you. Color. That was good. That's a good move. And um, <laughs> and he was like, you know, he's two-ish and he's like, ah, you know, yeah. he to scream and cry and I, I let him feel what he needed to feel, but I was like, listen, he asked you the first time he tattled, he was trying to get you in trouble. But the second time when he used his words, you chose to still disrespect that. And so I had to become his advocate. And so I was able to, and, and they didn't fully understand at that point, but little by little by little by little, I kept reiterating how tattling is really a form of bullying. You're just trying to get someone in trouble, but telling is different. You're trying to get them out of trouble. And ultimately when Solomon used his words with Oliver, when he used his words and he gave Oliver the opportunity to make a good decision and Oliver chose not to ultimately telling me was actually getting Oliver out of trouble because had Solomon not done that, Oliver would have continued in that vicious cycle of, taking things that didn't belong to him and disrespecting him, which is 
in the long term, very, very dangerous for him. It took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) And it also shows your oldest son that the tattling doesn't get the help he needs. Because you didn't become mm-hmm. the advocate until he did what he yeah. was supposed to have done. So that's a that's a win-win for at, everybody. At Shepherd's Hill, we, we teach the kids that you can choose to do wrong or act foolish. You can't choose the consequences right. of doing either. So, Let me jump in here real quick. Uh, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is songwriter, performer, artist, and author Plum. And we've been discussing her book, her second book, in fact, Fight for Her, Even If You Have to Fight Her. It's available on our website, plummusic.net. By the way, that's plum with a B, P-L-U-M-B, plummusic.net. We'll be back with more conversation right after this. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media-captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And our guest today on the program is songwriter, performer, artist, and author Plum. We're talking about her book, Fight for Her, Even If You Have to Fight Her. Trace? Well, Plum, what are some of the specific things that that daughters really want their moms to fight for on their behalf? Uh, Can you... Go into well, that a little bit. I, I love telling this story. I was raised in a home where my dad thought, and still thinks to this day, he's 74 years old, he thinks that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. My dad, without me realizing he was doing this specifically, my dad spoke the truth of what God said about me over me my whole life. He said, you're beautiful. You're so important to this family. Uh, you have such value. You are so talented. You're so smart. I love you so much. You're never alone in any kind of 
scenario that you're going to face. We'll always be here. We'll get your back. We'll support you. And I didn't realize how incredibly impacting that was to me until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that, my mother, although she was, you know, my dad would kill tigers for me. My mom would fight for me as well. But my mom, her role was the one that fought with me. The one that was very comfortable saying, "Uh, no, you're not wearing that. No, you're not going to go to their house. They're going to come to ours because I don't really know their family and I don't trust that. And, you know, you can be mad at me. You can be mad at me. But my mom cared about two things way more than two other things. My mom cared about faithfulness over friendship, and she cared about holiness over happiness. Amen. And so she would say, I'm way more concerned about God saying, good job, Julie, than I am about you being happy right now. And she said, I hope one day that we're friends, and I hope one day that you're happy, but I care about holiness and faithfulness more. And that meant that my mom had to put up with a lot of moments where I didn't like her. (laughs) And yeah. that we weren't friends. And, and, and my dad being willing to fight for me also involved sometimes him meeting a guy at the door and saying, you know what? I know that you're scheduled to go on a date with her tonight and that's fine. But you know what? Her brother's going to come with you guys. You Amen. Know? There was a, there was a neighbor, uh, there was a neighbor kid that we were really, really close to. He was like a son to my parents. Never, ever dated me. We were just like family. And he sent him on a date one time too. And I was so embarrassed and, my dad was like, "I don't care. You're not. Go- I don't have a. I don't have a piece. He's standing here in my living room. Good so for if you want to go to this concert, he can." And I was just mortified. And my dad stepped out of the choir, and uh, you know, came and sat right behind me and a boy when I was way too young for a boy to be snuggling me in the pew at church. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, lifting his arm off of me and saying, "Hey, you can you can like her, and you mm-hmm. can sit next to her." But this, she's too young for this. No, she's you only 13 dad. years old. You got a wise well, dad. What I didn't realize was that I had empowerment and I had advocacy going on. And so as I became older, I realized that I, I was kind of a magnet for girls who didn't have great dads or they had very too busy moms. Mm-hmm. And I would be friends and I would look around and realize like most of my closest friends didn't have what I had. And they envied you. And some of them mm-hmm. may have envied that, but... I think a lot of them found a lot of peace being around my family because they saw advocacy and empowerment, even if they didn't know that that's what it was about. And so the book, I talk so much in the book about being an advocate for the the daughters in your life, the Mm -hmm. women in your life, empowering them. And those, that involves doing a couple things. It involves speaking the truth of what God says over them, just like my dad did to me, which is that they're beautiful, that they need to hear the positive things that God says, because they may have been told lies or they may have not been told those things at all. That's right. But the truth of what God says about you sometimes is harsh. Sometimes God says, I'm not okay with what you're doing right now. And I want you to stop it. And my dad did that. My dad said, you're beautiful, but my dad also said no. And at the same time, being the kind of woman, not only that can speak and, and live that advocacy and empowerment to the women in your life, but also to be the kind of woman that can receive that. Mm-hmm. That when you are not walking in the path that you should be, being willing to say, okay, thank you for loving me enough, whoever you are, whether it's a yeah. friend or a family member or a spouse, that says, hey, I don't think that what you're doing right now is constructive. I think you might be, you know, and I just, I look back to when my husband and I were separated and you know, and if he was on the program with you right now, he would tell you he was doing a tremendous amount of danger and destruction to our home. 
and I'm sitting there kind of unloading on my best friend all these horrible things that my husband has done and how mad I am at him and how awful I think he is and blah, blah, blah. And she was listening, and, and it seemed as though she was in agreement. And as, as we came to this little pause in the conversation, and she was like, you know, all of what you just said is true about him. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. See, yeah, I'm right. <laughs> and then she kind of dropped the bomb, and she said, and you're really, really hard to be friends with. Mm-hmm. Wow, and the old like, double-edged well, sword. Wait, like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm not the one that left. And she said, hold on, hold on. You don't understand. You have something to own in this. Maybe not as much as him, or maybe not the same percentage, but you have not been as faithful as you could have been either. That's a friend. You, and then she kind of... And, and so I had to realize that what she was doing was kind right? and that she was advocating and empowering me to become more. And so at the, in the, at the end of the day, the people in your life, like we, we don't exist to be Christian by ourselves. We need community. Right. And so in community, we need to have it for ourselves, but we also need to be it. And so the book is kind of a, a pretty practical way to, to, how to how to be that kind of woman that can receive advocacy and empowerment, even if it's a little bit hard and, and painful, but also how to be that to the women in our lives. And all yeah. of this needs to stem from motivation from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That you're speaking that truth in love or you're that receiving that because for, at the same time, someone could tell you that something that's not from the Lord that you don't need to receive. That's right. You could also be speaking out of turn yourself. And so it's just really important to emphasize that that advocacy and that empowerment needs to be stemming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so it, anyway, it impacts how I parent, it impacts how I friend, it impacts how I, I wife, it impacts how I daughter. You're so. fortunate that you're surrounded by good family, good friends. It's, it's called accountability, the body of Christ, and everyone's taking their cues from the same divine source. And, you know, I, I've had to tell my kids a number of times, uh, not just my own kids, but the kids here at Shepherd's Hill, I love you too much to care what you think about about me right now. Here's what you got to do. Yeah. And 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 you have to leave it at 100%. that. hundred percent. Yeah. But we're out of yeah. time. I mean, this this went by quickly. I I really appreciate uh, your heart and uh, what you've conveyed to the to our listeners. Well, thank you, thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'm glad this finally worked out. Yep. And yes, have a wonderful rest of your tour. Thanks a lot for being with us. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And the person we've been talking with today is performer, artist, songwriter, and author, Plum. We've been discussing her book, and again, this is her second book, Fight For Her. Even if you have to fight her, it's available on her website, plummusic.net. And once again, that's Plum with a B, P-L-U-M-B, plummusic.net. And that wraps it up for today's edition of Licensed to Parent. In our remaining moments today, though, I want to ask you what you would do to save a child that you know who may have made some bad decisions and as a result is in a turmoil, doesn't know how to move forward and really doesn't see a way out. Perhaps you know the parents and and you can see what they're going through not knowing where to turn. Well, I want you to know that help is available for troubled teens and for their families and it's right here, right now at Shepherd's Hill Academy. And we need your help in getting that word out. If you know of a family in need, please ask them to visit our website, licensedtoparent.org, and then click on the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy. Everything they need to know to connect and talk with someone who cares and can help is right there on the website. In addition, many parents need your help. Residential care, as we've said before, is specialized care, and providing it isn't cheap. Your financial help in any amount can help a family that couldn't otherwise afford residential care get the help that they need right now. So please don't wait. 
Visit us at LicensedToParent.org and then click the Donate tab. All donations are 100% tax deductible and any amount would be a big help. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trey Simbry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.